to another edition of the Shuttlesworth Initiative podcast. I'm your host, Jay Christian, along with my co-host, Chris Green, here for another episode to bring you all that is basketball and pop culture. Chris, how you doing, man? Doing well, Jay. A lot of exciting stuff to talk about, and uh, I'm ready to get into it. Indeed. So uh, let's not waste any time. Uh, On top of the list, I'm sure you've seen going around on basketball circles, LeAngelo Ball is no longer a student or a player uh, at UCLA. Um, uh, LeVar, um, I think in one of his bigger power plays, has taken his son, his middle child, the Jan Brady of the Ball children, out of UCLA. Um, Not happy with how the coaching staff has treated LeAngelo, or Jello as he's known, and said, hey, we're going to get him ready for the NBA, and um, if this is how UCLA is going to treat uh, Jello. Then we'll just go get him ready on our own dime. And um, best of luck to you. Your thoughts on uh, Lavar's move and what this means for Leangelo's future? So I, I think that Lavar has made it pretty clear in every interview uh, that uh, every one of his sons are going to be a one and done scenario, regardless of everyone kind of believe that narrative. That's the narrative that he's been pushing. Uh, so. You know, minus the China incident, um, I think that this scenario could have happened regardless, be it uh, Jello didn't get that much playing time. He wasn't even really destined to be a starter, I think, this year. Um, I could have seen maybe midseason, not getting very much playing time. Uh, LeVar pulls him out, and uh, we kind of have the same similar scenario. Uh, LeVar has made really no if, ands, buts about it. Um, he probably believes that he can train Jello uh, for the NBA uh, better than Steve Alford can, and I, I really don't think Steve Alford has any objections at this point. <laughs> so I heard someone say the other day that uh, the other night when uh, Lavar finally pulled uh, Jello out of the out of the UCLA program was probably the best night of sleep that Alford's had in months. <laughs> Uh, it was the best sleep. He, <laughs> he could have been in the NyQuil commercial snoring away with Drew Brees. Sure, it sure. Been the best. So uh, then, and I kind of alluded to it, um, in terms of talent, I think that Jello has been uh, evaluated as sort of the least talented of the three children. I mean, that's kind of right. harsh for a kid on uh, UCLA scholarship for me to sit here and call him the least talented. But respect uh, relative to his brothers, um, in terms of his ceiling and what his potential could be as a professional, uh, you know, you probably rank him third. Someone's got to be third, and it just happens to be Leangelo. So what happens next for him? I think I saw a tweet from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski that, I mean, he's on no one's scout radar, right? He's not projected to even, right. um, I don't think any scouting departments have wasted any resources going to see the kid play. Um, so what happens now that he's no longer a part of the UCLA team? Well, let's make no bones about it. If he had the ability of Lonzo, uh, I don't think that there's any sort of indefinite suspension. I think UCLA tries their best to get him back, and he's playing in their very next game. Uh, and that's just sort of the way of the world when it comes to sports. Um, you know, he, he doesn't strike me as an NBA uh, prospect. Uh, there are more leagues than probably you and I even know about overseas. He strikes me more as, as maybe one of those type players. He he averaged 35 for his high school team, so he can definitely Did he really? Did he, did he average 35? Yeah, it was 34, 35 points a game. And uh, now I have watched some of their summer league games and terrible defense as (laughs) an old guy watching young people play always says. Back in my day, our defense was terrific. Um, So I don't really know how much bearing that is, but you still got to put the ball in the hole and he can really shoot it from deep. Um, I think maybe he's 6'4", 6'5". That doesn't really translate if you don't have speed in the NBA. Uh, you're kind of undersized to be one of those small forward scorers and uh, maybe a little too slow to be a point guard. Uh, so I really see him more of as an you know, overseas type player. Uh, but who knows? You know, Maybe he grows a few inches and uh, team maybe gives him a shot. I know LeVar's plan was to have all three boys in the Lakers system at some length. So whether that gets him a shot with a G League team and uh, – LA has, you know, who knows. So does Magic Johnson and uh, Rob Palenka, shout out to Rob, uh, who, according to Mitch Album in my book, Fab Five, was the last person to speak any trash talk in the Fab Five era. Um, <laughs> when he told, uh, who's my man? I think it was Donald Smith shooting free throws, told him not to nut up. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I read that book, man. I wore that copy out. 
Anyways, oh, yeah. do, do they uh, do they give him a shot? Him being Leangelo Ball on the D League team, sort of a twelfth man or I guess thirteenth man uh, on the end of the bench, or how does that work out? I can even see Jello getting a shot at playing time if Lonzo were to average fifty in the NBA Finals this year. <laughs> That's how he gets his playing time. Lonzo needs to step it up for his family. Get Jello a spot on the bench and. That's the only way that's going to work. I think we're asking a lot of Lonzo to fix his shot and go from fixing that form to uh, 50 (laughs) 50 a game. Because, you know, his GM just happens to be a guy that um, had one of the all-time greatest performances as a rookie in the NBA Finals. So I don't know if 50 a game would cut it necessarily in that situation. Yeah, maybe I'm I'm selling that short. It may need to be 70 a game while sweeping the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. I, I really see no relative shot that he gets a, a place at the Lakers. You know, it was kind of thought that he was the package deal in getting Lonzo to UCLA. So uh, when when big bucks are on the line, even though they're big bucks in college, uh, when the NBA is involved, you, there are no free spots, and sure. everybody in the league can shoot. I, I remember I actually was at a gym where uh, you'll remember Doug Christie yep. uh, played for the Kings. He mm-hmm. was actually shooting around at a, a First Baptist gym and uh, he did not miss a shot. Mm-hmm. And in the NBA, he was kind of relegated to, yeah, he can hit an open three, but really just more of a defensive player. Right. I'm telling you, that, that really must mean how, how good those players like Ray Allen or you know Steph Curry especially, really the good shooters can shoot if someone who really isn't thought of as a good shooter can really knock the lights out. So when you saw Doug Christie, was his wife there in the gym as well? Or <laughs> she was not. Okay. I'm sure she was filming. <laughs> uh, but no, no, she was not in there. Uh, so let me throw this theory at, out at you and see what you think of this. We'll get, we'll turn on our X Files music um, that we did not yeah. get cleared here to play until Fox gives us a cease and desist letter. Um, Leangelo, we you know he's got athletic talent. You know we say he's he's definitely your definition of a tweener in the NBA. But he still goes 6'5", six, 6'5 five, six, five and a half, probably a solid 230. Um, you know, in the NBA, that's, you know, that's smaller than Corliss Williamson, who was, you know, the first tweener right. I thought of. But on an NFL field, that is a prototype, um, prototypical NFL tight end. Your thoughts on Leangelo going to the gridiron, and this is what I'm thinking before, before you comment on that. So he's got the size, right? He, he's he's you know straight out of central casting in terms of an NFL tight end. Um, we've seen this. There's precedent for this. We've seen this model before. You go all the way back to Tony Gonzalez, up to Jimmy Graham, players um, who's my man in San Diego, um, Antonio Gates. Uh, Gates. Yeah. Uh, you, there's there's precedent for it. Lavar, you know, for all he says about basketball, actually did play football. So in terms of training and getting ready for football. That's actually a world that he knows, I would argue, more about than coaching basketball. Um, it stays in line with the ball, big baller brand. Um, you know, if he ends up going, he being Leangelo, ends up going to a school and learning, you know, it doesn't have to be a big school. It doesn't have to be, you know, USC or anything like that. It could be a small D2, D3 school. Uh, we know scouting departments in the NFL, if you can play, they find you. Um, right. And uh, that way the big baller brand has a... a another uh, professional athlete in the stable. Uh, Jello becomes a, a tight end. Maybe he signs with the Rams and all the ball kids are still in Southern California. Um, yeah. Big baller brand uh, rolls out, uh, you know, some triple B cleats or some gear for the football field. Uh, what do you think of that as an avenue rather than him in the gym in, you know, the second tier league in Denmark or Finland or somewhere like that? You know, if you're playing the probability game, uh, Tight ends are a dime a dozen. Uh, generally speaking, when you're six five and you got some weight behind you, you do try to play basketball. So, uh, you know, apologies to all of the tight ends out there probably trying to make the league. Uh, he's got a way better shot at that, uh, just from the sheer amount of players trying out for the NBA versus sheer amount of players trying out for tight end in pro football. Mm-hmm. I was looking at his number. He's six five two twenty. Uh, Jimmy Graham six seven two sixty. Um, but you know, who knows? At this point, I think LeBron is seven one <laughs> But but uh, but look at Gronk and look at because uh, I know Gates can't be more than six four. I think Witten's six five, six six. I think Gronk's yeah. 
six five. It's, it's what reminds what 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 I think about all those players is not only athleticism but durability. Uh, minus Gronk, I guess he's uh, really taken some injuries over the last couple of years, but um, we don't know how uh, Jello takes a hit. Uh, <laughs> he probably doesn't. He can't. I would yeah. assume right now, but after after watching the Cincinnati and uh, uh, the uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh uh, game the other day, man, that was brutal. And so, uh, yeah, those hits across the middle, man, uh, and really a tight end, you got to be able to block in really any offense these days. So it, a lot of unknown questions, and we're just speculating. But um, I really do think he has a better chance that avenue, uh, being that it is in the bloodline. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, the odds, like you say, the number of spots available and the people going for the spots, and he is an athlete, right? I mean, he's not like a scrub. He can he, he's an, he's an athlete. He just doesn't happen to be as good at basketball as his brothers are. Um, right. But you know, those skills translate. I think there are people that can get him ready to play. Um, as much as and as brutal as the game is, and I do not play, so I can't sit here and say you know who can and cannot take a hit. But the rules have well, changed. You're talking to seventh grade wing back back here, <laughs> Junior High. So I'm definitely the final judge. The expert. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Subject matter expert for sure. Um, but I would say that um, you know the rules have changed in the NFL over the last 15 years. They're very pass friendly, very offensive friendly, to the point where now you know defensive back five nine five ten, you got to figure out how to hit you know Robin Gronkowski. Um, but you can't hit him here and you can't hit him there. Meanwhile, you're on the goal line in a jump ball situation with him or Jimmy Graham. Uh, so the rules do favor, uh, I think now would be the right time for Jello to try this as opposed to 15 years ago. Uh, that being said, I'm not the one getting tackled, so I can just you know volunteer <laughs> his body for NFL combines and workouts and, and things of that nature. But well, we know those NBA uh, uh, Contracts are a lot more friendlier than the NBA, the NFL contracts. So oh sure, and I you got to really want it to play NFL. See, and I think that's what, and that's the other part too. So, I mean, I, I would think that Jello would have to know or get a sense that you know, his skills compared to his brother's skills. I mean, it's an opportunity for, for him to get out of their shadow, so to speak, and right. sort of do his own thing. Um, it's a way for the big baller brand to stay relevant. In other words. Uh, if you're marketing the brand, and by the way, you know, Jello pops up and he's got his, uh, you know, Swedish League jersey on, you're like, what the hell is that? I don't know, <laughs> right. you know. But if he's, you know, trying to make the Chargers or trying to make the Rams and he's, you know, back stateside and more publicity because, you know, people would take it as a publicity stunt at, at first, um, you know, it, 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 it keeps the big baller brand relevant, which is what LeVar needs when you don't have a marketing budget, you got to stay in the news. Um, and I think it, I mean I think it just makes sense. Yeah, publicity stunts are what work so far for the family in general. You, you got to get everyone talking about you. And, and um, as I've seen Tim Tebow in a baseball jersey, the the cameras will follow you if there's some sort of interest uh, in the public. So uh, him out in a football jersey trying to make a tight end, um, I think it would be viable. All right, so it's settled. You've heard it here first. Shuttlesworth Initiative Podcast. Leangelo Ball is uh, the new tight end prospect for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, <laughs> switching gears a little bit, um, one of the hotter teams in the NBA, the Houston Rockets, arguably the hottest team in the NBA, um, atop the Western Conference standings, uh, I think two-game lead over the Golden State Warriors, looking really good. There were early questions about whether or not Chris Paul would, would mesh well with James Harden. Chris Paul goes out at the beginning of the season, literally the first week of the season. Been out for a month, but he's been back the last few games. Hasn't missed a step. Uh, there's no question. It doesn't seem like to me about any gelling issues. What do you think of the Houston Rockets and their chances to go all the way this year? So, you know, even prior to this year getting Chris Paul, I really did enjoy how kind of uh, Mike D'Antoni's put the team together and really play a style that, kind of has the best shot to go against the Warriors because it doesn't necessarily focus on one player, albeit, you know, Harden really does have to play out of his mind and really have a terrific series to, to be able to get the, the Rockets close. But everybody can shoot. Um, they shoot enough three-pointers to where you can outshoot Golden State uh, if you catch them on a bad night, uh, which is few and far between. But that's really kind of the makeup. You're not going to ground and pound the sort of uh, Memphis Grizzly style 
the, the Warriors these days. You, you're really going to need to outshoot them and then maybe just keep it close enough to give yourself a chance in the end. I think CP3 has brought some stability and allowed Harden to kind of play off ball, where I think we've seen Harden in the past few postseasons maybe not play terrible, but maybe towards the end really kind of get tired. And you got the ball every single possession, as he did last year, especially his usage rate was off the charts. Uh, you really need someone to come in and, and allow you to essentially breathe for a few possessions. And uh, CP3 is playing as efficient as ever. Um, and it, as far as Western Conference goes, I would think the Warriors are, would have to take a lookout for the, for the Rockets. So, I yeah, I think that's right. And I think that, uh, you know, my Rockets bias aside, um, what I like about Houston is that they seem to have an identity. And I think you hit it on the head when you talked about those early battles a few years ago with um, Memphis, for instance, right? We're going to we're gonna beat up um, right. Steph Curry. We're going to bang these guys, you know, but, you know, Tony Allen, you know, first team all defense. But you still got to play offense, bro. And, you know, <laughs> you still got to uh, – and something we've talked about before, it, it's just math at this point with the Warriors, right? They're, they're three versus your two, and we'll right. see what's what at the end of four quarters. Um, I think that the Rockets have an identity. I think they know who they are. It's this new age sort of small ball. Uh, everyone's getting a chance to shoot the three. I think I, – I feel like everyone on the roster off the top of my head has the green light, to, to your point. And they're playing the kind of basketball. They know who they are. And so, you know, compare that to the Cavs a few years ago where I think LeBron was trying to, you know, allegedly, if you believe the, the GM conspiracy theories, trying to orchestrate a roster that was Golden State East, right? You have the yes. three-point shooters. You have the spot-up shooters. Uh, but I think Houston has figured out their identity. They have the right man for the job in Mike D'Antoni. I think a coach who is as innovative as they come in, in basketball, especially offensive minds, uh, in the last 20-some-odd years of the NBA. So I think they're, yeah, I think I agree. I think they're in a spot where they know who they are and they know what they want to do on the court, and, and I think that's what you need to challenge the Golden State Warriors. Um, uh, yeah, and you're going to have to catch, you know, obviously the Warriors. I, I don't, I, you know, when the Warriors are playing their best ball, I, I don't know how you can necessarily say, or put pen on paper and say this is how you beat them. Uh, but I do think the Rockets have at least the best makeup uh, with the collection of players they have. I was trying to think of a player maybe you could add before the trade deadline that would maybe uh, put them over the top, let's say. But really, our only reference for Golden State losing is uh, to what Cleveland had over 80 points at halftime last year in one of the finals games. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, they really swept through the playoffs, if you think about it. So, um, long story short, uh, I like what the Rockets are doing, but, uh, I mean, you're going to have to make shots in the playoffs, and I guess that we'll have to wait and see. So, to that point, let me throw this at you. Do you think the Oklahoma City Thunder, if they got it all together, got it right, could challenge the Warriors and would be have a better chance of beating Golden State than the Houston Rockets? Uh, now, better chance, I would say no. Um, this kind of hinges all on my just opinion of Mello. Um, I've never really seen Mello in the role where I would prefer him, except when it's uh, you know during the Olympics or uh, obviously Hoodie Mello is of course, of course. But uh, he just gets in the. Let's just play the matchup game. Let's say they're going against the Warriors. He obviously would play in that three slash four, most likely matched up against Draymond if I had envisioned it. Certainly he's not going to be on Durant. No. Um, I could see Green, uh, Draymond tell Mello to shoot it 50 times and get into <laughs> Mello's head and really make it a personal battle. And Mello would eventually shoot them out of it. Now, does Mello get the ball enough from Russell Westbrook to actually make that happen? Probably not, but um, I just don't know. That's my Mello theory, and then Really, I don't know if Westbrook can be your best player, and it gives you the best chance to win a championship. So on that team, can Paul George be your best player, one? And then two, if that's the case, will Westbrook let him be the best player? I'm going to say yes and no on the second part of that. I don't think Westbrook will allow anything to happen better than him. He, he, I mean, he's the point guard. He has the ball. He makes the decisions. Uh 
You know, unless they make some way where Paul George starts bringing the ball up, which maybe they do do that. Um, maybe I'm not that high on Paul George. He's sort of that kind of second-tier superstar to me once you get past the LeBrons and the Durants. Wow, and so he has a signature shoe and everything. You call him second-tier, well, right? <laughs> well, Alonzo has a signature shoe. I would say <laughs> that um, kind of his top ceiling is where you see LeBron and Durant when they have sort of an average ho-hum season. Wow. Never really see the Paul George where it's like he's the best player in the league. Wow. And even in his prime pre-injury, uh, I never really heard that talk. So it's really Russell Westbrook or, or Broke, how it's going to always be for OKC as long as he's on the team. Um, they really have to be efficient to beat the Warriors. Um, they do match up defensively. I will give Paul George a little credit defensively. Uh, he's, he's a better defender than I thought, and he sort of leads the charge for them. Uh, defensively, and it's even gotten Melo play some defense uh, in the last few games. Uh, but a better chance than the, than the Rockets, you just have to be able to shoot threes. And the Rockets do that in spades compared to OKC. Okay. Uh, first of all, I don't know if I can abide by this um, Paul George slander. Man, second <laughs> tier, his ceiling is an average ho-hum season. If you started ranking two-way players at the small four position, which is, seems to be Increasingly, when we talk about two-way players, we're primarily talking about well, that he's position. Behind LeBron. So, okay, he's behind, behind LeBron, behind Durant. Now, here we go. Now, who? This is where we stop, right? Because right. I feel like his defense is closer to Kawhi's defense than Kawhi's offense is closer to Paul George's offense. So, if I needed a bucket, I would definitely go to Paul George before I went to Kawhi Leonard. If I needed a well, stop, I, I would go to Kawhi, but. But Paul George is not a bad second option. You see what I'm saying? Like, well, well, by no means is he. Maybe I've just watched a little bit more Kawhi um, recently. I mean, he averaged 25. I guess maybe 25 was his. Yeah, I'm a little iffy when it comes to Kawhi's offense. I'll, I'll give you that. So defensively, or by default, I would say yes. Paul George's defense is closer to Kawhi's than Kawhi's offense. Yes, Why are you by George. defaulting me on this? He can play defense. I, 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 will, I will default you that. Be, well, only because I, I'm not really a fan of Kawhi's offense, even though he can score. So Paul George, for sure, his offense is head and shoulders better than Kawhi. So that's why I'd have to go default on you. Okay, um, quick question. Real quick. Well, no, go ahead. Finish, your, finish that breakdown. Well, go. what I was going to say is if you swap those players, if you put Kawhi on OKC, I think everyone looks at OKC as the absolute top tier with Golden State, whereas you put Paul George on the Spurs, and I really think you start battling for who's the best on the team between him and LaMarcus Aldridge. Um, I Gosh, I can't believe you're just so low on Paul George stock. Man, yeah. that's pretty uh, – so, okay, going back to the Rockets versus the uh, uh, Thunder comparison here about the matchups for uh, against Golden State. So one thing that Golden State has that makes it so hard for their teams is that, you know, you got to, you got to, I think a scramble drill, right? There's a rebound and they're coming and they're filling lanes. Who's got who, right? So OKC, uh, Russ is checking Steph. Um, Roberson's on Clay. Paul George is on Durant. You, you already called out the Melo Draymond matchup. And then Adams and, and Jaja. When that scramble drill happens in Houston, who's got who then, right? I don't think it's the same. I mean, you got an older Trevor Ariza trying to find Durant in transition. Uh, you got CP3, you got Harden, and, you know, the jokes have been made about Harden's defense. No need to go there uh, extensively. Um, you got Capella, who's great defensively, but Draymond doesn't really have to guard him except when he's around the basket. Uh, right. And you got Ryan Anderson, um, who, again, is not the greatest defensively speaking. Well, I will say, though, that if you're worried about transition defense, Rockets versus Thunder getting back on the Warriors, the Rockets are going to have to get back on defense from a long miss because they're shooting a three. So they're already at the three-point line, now backpedaling, versus Russell Westbrook probably is in the lane trying to dunk, and now everyone's a mad scramble to get back to the lane before the Warriors inevitably score. So Golden State, so OKC has three guys that can get their own shot, right? So yes. how many would you say are on Houston? Like two, right? Uh, CP3 can, Harden can. That's the list. That's stop. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I guess Gordon, if you put him in, 
Like, yeah, he's hit or miss, but Ariza spot up, Anderson spot up, Capella's a lob threat. Yeah, maybe two. Maybe Eric Gordon has some handles, but he really doesn't get a chance to show it. Right. Okay. So, all right. It's just a theory, man. We're just testing that. We'll see. I mean, the Thunder, yeah. I think, sitting ninth right now in the playoff standing, so they wouldn't even be in if the playoffs started today. So to sort of make them ascend to Western Conference Finals is a bit of a stretch. Yeah, I, I'm assuming at this point if they play the Warriors, it's because it's a 1-8. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's a 2-7 if they take over in the Thunder. I mean, the, the difference between, like, the fourth spot and the ninth spot are, like, That's three true, games. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but I do yeah. see your point. Fair enough. So, on the Rockets, real quick, uh, one of the reasons that they're doing really well is uh, a very efficient, uh, very focused James Harden, who's come back and sort of picked up where he left off uh, from last season. Um, should have won it last year. Should have won it last year. Fell, fell prey to... Um, you know, the NBA and NBA Twitter's fascination with uh, people, you know, getting doubles of everything. Loving triple doubles. Right. Uh, so this year, uh, thus far in the season, is James Harden your uh, NBA MVP, uh, MVP? So I would say no. Wow. Uh, although, you know, the fire the takes from you this afternoon are just, you're just, I mean, el fuego, <laughs> my friend. Um, I, I, maybe I'm just too much of a LeBron stand. Uh LeBron's really got the numbers this year that are maybe best in his career. Uh, he's he's obviously scored more at other points in his career, but efficiency-wise, I mean, he's essentially Shaq right now. He's shooting 59% from the field, which is ridiculous for a small forward, let alone anybody but a center. Uh, he's on pace to shoot the highest that he ever has from three while also shooting second most uh, three-point attempts in his career per game. Uh, while doing the typical LeBron stuff of eight rebounds, eight and a half assists. Now, now Harden, I would say if last year hadn't happened and they didn't give the award to somebody whose team finished middle of the road, typically I slant these debates to who has the best team because that's really where the award's gone is you got to be first or second seed to be able to be in MVP conversation. Uh, Rarely, if ever, before last season had they given it to somebody that was middle of the pack team. Because of that, I give LeBron the MVP. Because he's not on the best team, last year kind of gives me a little bit of that leeway. And if we're saying that LeBron is putting up his most efficient and possibly his best numbers of his career, then how can we say anybody else is in the MVP talk without saying that person is now better than LeBron at his best? Because then you're doing a whole different debate. LeBron at his best ought to be up there with the Kobe and the Jordan conversation, not just a James Harden or Russell Westbrook type season conversation. That's an interesting point, my friend. You did change the debate, and you turned it into this historic all-time debate. And um, I would cite the Jordan rule, not the book and not the Pistons defense on him, but the sort of informal gentleman's agreement uh, with respect to the MVP (laughs) In the regular season, that in our childhood, if we were doing this best player that ever, you know, put on sneakers on the planet, then Michael Jordan would have been the MVP for like 10 years in a row, right, uh, right. excluding two years where he's playing baseball and making Space Jam. But even then, even the then he was still the best. <laughs> uh, gave it to the aliens, right? Uh, but we, we know that that's not always the debate that we're having in these MVP conversations. Uh, James Harden, through 22 games, is averaging 31.7 points. 5.1 total rebounds, 9.7 assists, um, having better numbers than he did last year on a team that is best record in the West. I think only a game behind Boston uh, in terms of total wins. Um, they match up with Cleveland today, even though Cleveland's hot. I think Houston takes them out in six games at the most. Um, James Harden's coming to his own, man. We like these narratives and this maturation story. Um, he's getting it done in the still objectively tougher Western Conference. And uh, he's got some help now. He's got a team that's developed around him, and we see what he can do uh, with shooters and pieces uh, in place for him. So, Well, so if it's Cleveland-Houston in the finals, you're not worried. Am I not worried? No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Okay. Or should I be? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see how. Maybe part of it's because I've never seen Dan Tony uh, get it done. He's always coached with this system, and maybe he's never had a player as good as Harden. Uh, I don't really even count Steve Nash. <laughs> oh, wow. The fire continues. Those are ridiculous MVPs. <laughs> but um, 
Harden's probably the best player he's ever had. Is this the best roster he's ever had? Well, let's look at MVP a few different ways. Let's swap the players, put LeBron on Houston. Is Houston now the best team in the league and absolutely a threat to the Warriors? Absolutely. You put Harden on Cleveland, do they win the East? Probably. So maybe that's a fair swap. Uh, doesn't really kind of separate the players. Um, is it most valuable player to your team, or is it the best player? Is a secondary debate that usually happens with MVP talk. And I think that at LeBron's best, Harden can't get there. Um, now, they do different things for each other's teams, but it's kind of similar. Uh, while Harden's usage rate is higher than LeBron's, I think LeBron just has that extra level, and maybe it's because I've seen him succeed so much in the playoffs and also fail, where I have not seen Harden succeed in his, albeit rare, moments um, in that one finals where he was young. And then last year when he kind of put up a bad game against the Spurs in game six. So I think, I mean, and I don't want to spend it too far in terms of a, a different debate because I was just thinking about Harden in terms of the, I, I feel like last year in the playoffs hit a wall, right? Just the usage rate was really right, high. Right. Harden was, and I think this year he's more efficient. Um, I think they're trusting uh, in, in, in D'Antoni's system a little bit more. Everyone's um kind of acclimated to it, the holdovers from last year and the new guys have all been integrated in pretty well. Uh, he's getting support offensively from guys like Eric Gordon, say Chris Paul, you know, they have a lot of different matchups they can use in D'Antoni's system, playing them together, uh, having them split time to stagger the minutes. Um, so I think what we're seeing now is a very uh, efficient James Harden. I think they're playing the Lakers last week and Harden either scored or assisted on something ridiculous, like 90-some-odd percent of, of yeah, the Rockets' touches. it was like 95 or 98 total points yep, of yep. the Rockets. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. So There's no doubt that if he should have won last year and he has better numbers this year, that history shows us that if you do that, you're probably going to win that. Sure. Uh, short of LeBron going on a you know a Kobe Bryant-esque you know, 10 straight games of 45 points or 50 points, where he gets the conversation more about them. But certainly, if the Rockets win the West this year, James Harden will win the MVP. And that's more of a conversation of dethroning the regular season champs, the Warriors, with their regular season records more than anything else. Um, so if he keeps that, I, I will agree that he will win it. But at this point, I've, I've just never seen LeBron play. For a player that has always been efficient, what LeBron's doing this year is insane. Okay, so the team that we um, well agree to disagree. No, I just kidding. I I, no, I agree that um, what I was gonna say before moving on was that yeah, I I mean you can't you know, you, yeah, you you sound crazy arguing what LeBron's doing right now. It's insane. It really is. Um, kind of makes me wish that the the Paul George trade would have happened to Cleveland just because I think he could use oh, some yeah. help. Um, you know, just dragging some of the teammates across the line. But I think LeBron is definitely one of those believers in the regular season is the time for me to sort of mold and shake these guys. Um, if the sideline... Well, yeah, when we talk about getting out on the fast break and who runs with those other teams we discussed, all he has on this team is Kyle Korver. Everybody else is so old. <laughs> right. Nobody can run with <laughs> and I And I don't know, like I was going to say, like I, I think that Watching Isaiah Thomas on the sidelines, at least he seems hyped and ready to go, right? So, yeah. if he can come in and, and give give Cleveland some of what he had last year, I think that takes some of the burden off LeBron tremendously on the offensive end. Tristan Thompson comes back hungry and ready to play. Uh, I think that's yeah, another so valuable they're piece. They're sort of on their run right now, and they're missing a couple really solid pieces that they needed on top of what everyone expects Isaiah to be. Uh, but it is the Eastern Conference, and the Celtics have inexplicably had the record that they have so it'll still be Cleveland in the end uh, but I, I do like the prospects of when everybody gets healthy you know is LeBron going to have to sit back uh, and, and not necessarily have to carry the team the way that he is right now. I wonder so a, a few pieces on that I was thinking about a, a few different scenarios if you're Cleveland I was thinking about the trade deadline right and to see where everyone is in this you know before the season started and it's super early but I think some teams that, that folks sort of forecast to be 
pretty good or contending or, or not looking as good. I'm thinking specifically of the Washington Wizards, for instance. Um, they're having a tough season. I wonder, I'm thinking more about contenders in the sense that if it's not working for OKC, I can't imagine Paul George re-upping for that at the end of the year, right? I think he says, well, right. I gave it a shot. They've got to go Western Conference Finals or NBA Finals for him to stay. Right. So if they if they get to the All-Star break and let's see, they're putting it on, but they're – well, I guess it depends, right? Let's say let's assume two scenarios, right? Let's say one they've kind of righted the ship, uh, all the other teams that are ahead of them sort of regressed to the mean, and OKC is you know maybe the sixth seed, make them sixth. So I think you keep that team together and say, hey, second half we're going to make our run. Doomsday scenario: Let's say they're still hovering around eighth or ninth. They get to the All Star break and maybe they're even ninth um, in the Western Conference standings. Uh, if you're Sam Presti in that front office, do you say, look, Paul George is not going to come back to this. I mean, there's no way. Can we move him? Can we get some pieces? Can we start to sort of shape this team sort of a la Allen Iverson style in 2001 around Russ, right? Is that a move they yeah. make, do you think? or? Well, it, you know, I don't know. Russell Westbrook has been so loyal to OKC that you sort of reward him after all the Kevin Durant stuff by making all these deals and saying, you know, Yes, Grant left, and thank you for re-upping for five years. We're going to go out and make these trades. And then you make another trade. You're basically telling them, yeah, we gave you 40 games, and we don't like what you see. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I don't know how you really spin that. And, and also, everybody knows that he wants to go play in L.A., uh, uh, Paul George, that is. Whether those uh, reports are true or not, nobody's going to give up the farm, let's say, if you're Charlotte or if you're sure. – you know, pick another team, Brooklyn or, or somebody, to just get Paul George for now half a season, let, a, let alone a full season with where the trade happened previously. I would like to see them make a move if they were sitting at ninth. I mean, then again, you said the difference between fourth and ninth is sometimes only three or four games. So right. knowing how Russell Westbrook thinks, he probably thinks they're always going to be in it. Right. Uh, so I would be surprised if they made a move, but I would like to see them do some sort of deal and get LeBron help. Right. If I'm being selfish. Yeah. No. I think that. I think that. Uh, and that's what made me think about it. Because even wonder... if it's mellow, I, I would enjoy mellow being with some sort of role with Cleveland. If you could have, maybe not him and Love play at the same time, but just having another score to help LeBron, I think would help. And if that meant getting mellow and maybe shedding a, a contract or two, that would be fine. Oh man! If you had a Cleveland second unit of Mello, D Wade, and Derrick Rose, it's like the best team in two thousand nine. Oh yeah, that would be, <laughs> that would be a two thousand nine juggernaut. <laughs> uh, switching gears a little bit, the team that uh, I think probably consumes uh, every podcast is um, the Golden State Warriors. Um, yep. They are, in my opinion, looking good in such high standards. Uh, not quite running at all on all cylinders. I would I would argue. Um, Curry's out with a uh, high ankle sprain and, you know, history of uh, ankle and foot issues. Uh, initially, some some cause for concern for, for the Golden State faithful, but looks like he'll make a speedy recovery. But um, I think Golden State's going to just hold him out and take it slow and steady uh, to make sure he's right for, you know, what their goal is, which is another NBA championship. Um, that's sort of what's going on on the court. Um, I guess sort of on slash off the court. You have Kevin Durant, who is sort of, uh, as an old friend used to say back in West Texas, bowed up to a lot of people, right? He's uh, getting tossed yeah. left and right, and uh, he's stared down Boogie, but I didn't think he wanted those problems with Boogie. But... No, he, he's the small dog barking behind the fence, <laughs> not understanding the German Shepherds next door. And, so uh, I only know that from experience. I have a small dog that barks at the German Shepherd next door. Oh, there you go. No idea what's behind that fence. Connecting, yeah, imagery yeah. for our listeners out there. No, that's very good. Yeah. We appreciate that. Uh, so Chris, the Golden State Warriors, man, are they, are they, are they okay? Are they not okay? Is there, are you tired of looking at them? What's, what's going on? Well, in, in... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely tired of looking at them. Uh, <laughs> they are the evil empire. They are, I like the Yankees, but I will say they're the Yankees. Um, they are probably one of the more cocky teams in the history of the NBA, rightfully so. I think a lot of people act as if I, and meaning that the Warriors aren't a good basketball team, and they're the best. 
Maybe that's probably why I hate them as much as I do, but their attitude is really bothersome. Um, however, getting to Curry, it probably serves them right to hold him out for at least a month. He, he's played you know, just about as much basketball as one can play over the last three seasons with the deep runs that they've made. And I'm not sure if really the, the history of his ankle and, and foot injuries are really – they didn't pop into my head as much this time. And I think partly because it's been a while since he's had that type of injury, and I know that they'll just keep him out longer than – just precautionary, they'll keep him out longer than maybe he even needs to. And, and you've got Durant, and that's the reason you can do it. So they can stroll through. I remember when Durant missed a bunch of games last year, the Warriors almost got better. Right. And I think this will be – maybe they won't win as many games as they pulled off last year during that run when Durant was out, but they're going to be fine. Durant is probably the, I don't know, the MVP of the starting five of players that pretend that they want to fight. <laughs> um, I, I don't know who else I'd put on that. Maybe Kevin Garnett. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, uh, he's first ballot. Maybe on that list. Uh, there's certain there's certainly not the you know Anthony Masons of the world or Stephen Jacksons of the world or uh, Charles Oakleys of the world. So um, they're going to be fine though. Uh, obviously, it's finals or bust for every Warriors team from here on out. So and we talked about matchups. We played a little hypothetical earlier. Uh, is it? Do you still feel like it's inevitable for the Warriors to end up in the finals? Is there any way that this juggernaut is stopped or are we looking at hey it's the Warriors until they decide you know to quote Pat Riley sort of the disease of more right people want more yeah. shots and guys you know Clay wants a new deal after this and goes elsewhere but I mean guys are giving back money uh, the team really enjoys playing together like I say they have the swag uh, about them every time they hit the court and even when you watch them play I mean I've seen games where the Warriors are down 20 30 points and I'm like it's not enough you got to be up 60 yeah, with two minutes to go. Feeling, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> same way. Uh, are we dealing with the inevitability of, of the end here with the, with the Warriors hoisting the trophy? Or do you see scenarios or potential to where uh, someone can dethrone them either in the Western Conference or, you know, with a matchup with LeBron in the finals again? So if this was the NCAA March Madness, I would say, yeah, they're going to be dethroned. And, I watched Cleveland put 80 on them and a half and look at how many threes they hit, et cetera. But winning four games uh, is going to be so tough, uh, even if they don't take you serious through your first two wins against them, which, you know, there are a few teams I'm sure that they take more serious than others. OKC would be one. Houston would be one. And Cleveland would be one. The teams that they'll probably have to end up playing at some point uh, in the playoffs. Um it's, it's really going to take – I don't even see a scenario where maybe somebody – it is the disease of more and Clay wants a new deal somewhere else. Uh, it would have to take Clay in his last year of his deal, they're in the finals, and he either doesn't get the ball – no, that's what it would take, him not getting the ball for him to be pissed off enough to go sign with another team. And a lot of teams will back the Brinks truck up for him to have – max money somewhere but other than that this team is going to stay together forever right uh unless durant wins a few rings and then decides i want to go back to washington for his hometown um i, I don't see any reason it's going to literally take something like we find out that steph's ankles are degenerative um because otherwise i even with one of their players out, they still are the favorites to win. And I don't think at any point in NBA history you could ever say that about any single team other than an Olympic team. Sure. Right. No, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think, uh, gosh, you watch. As much of the threat as we saw Houston, as we talked Houston was, they're still going to have to shoot out of their minds for it to actually happen. Oh, sure. Like, I think, um, I think, man, I think it's just um, even when you look at previews and whatnot for each team, I think a lot of organizations count it as <laughs> as a notch in their belt if they make it to you know five games, six games. Oh, if we can get the Warriors right. to a seventh game, and then anything can happen. It's like, is that where we're? Right. You know, well, anything yeah, can happen in game seven. At, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're if you're let's say Houston, and but Houston, you know, has aspirations for uh, obviously getting to the finals. But if they took the Warriors to seven, Harden gets the MVP this year. 
Uh, CP3 is right there, and they're in the Western Conference Finals. That would be a successful season for them for a number of reasons. You got the MVP. You took the Warriors to the brink. CP3 actually got to a conference final for the first time in his career. So unless you're maybe the Spurs who have the championship pedigree, it ah, is that scenario yep. of we get deep with the Warriors, and wow, we're, we're looking good for next year. So let me ask you this. Why do other teams bother the Warriors so much? I think I think the Warriors believe they almost can't be bothered that there's going to be a game tonight and they're on the schedule. It, it kind of feels that way. Like, how dare you guys step on the court with us? <laughs> and try. And how dare you keep it under 20? Right. And I'm going to, next three possessions, we're going to stretch this out nine more points as I drain threes nonstop. Sure. Um, that I think that's they just they're so much better than at least sixty percent of the teams, maybe seventy percent of the teams, where it's just hands down you roll the ball out and they're going to win regardless of coaching. Right. After right. that fact, everyone on their team makes hard shots. Steph was doing it prior to Durant even being there, and then you add Durant. Um, yeah, they're just. As, as constructed, and really even adding side pieces like JaVale McGee, you know, a player that gets kind of joked about everywhere else he goes, but he does a ton for them that is so helpful and is so long defensively that he's a true asset for them. And so they're almost like the, I don't know, the really kind of like the Spurs, where you take an acclimate player, uh, bring him in, and all of a sudden he's valuable. And we haven't talked much Spurs. I haven't talked any Spurs at all, actually. But what do you think about the Spurs' chances? I mean, they've. I think they're sitting third right now in the Western Conference with no Kawhi Leonard at all. Um, looks like Lamarcus Aldridge is actually starting to find his way uh, in that system and in that offense. Um, yeah. I mean, they. I mean, they got a bunch of guys who. I mean, if they walked in here right now, um, I would not even know who they were. I mean, no disrespect. Yeah, who they go the other night where they had the entire second team. And I don't remember who they were playing, but no starters played. And they actually took that team over deep into the fourth. Uh, I guess the game was last week. Yeah, I don't remember. Oh, uh, well, they did that with the OKC, right? Was it OKC? Yeah, yeah. They um, were <laughs> they ended up getting a steal at the end of the game. And, uh, yeah, that's right. And yeah. Russ made a very questionable pass. And uh, <laughs> yeah. they all, you're like, yep, I told you. What is it? Yeah, <laughs> what is that's, that? uh, that's a Russ. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, you know, until Kawhi gets back, they're not a threat. Yeah, they'll, they could make the playoffs, which would be a, a credit. But right. um, they're essentially the Portland Trailblazers when LaMarcus was on there. They're a playoff team. And when right. Kawhi gets back, Pop is going to get them to the playoffs. Um, does the 50-win streak uh, end without Kawhi? I think it does. I think they're a mid-40-win team uh, without Kawhi. When is he uh, supposed to be back, by the way? I haven't heard. It's a quadricep injury, and who knows? As long as they're in the – you said they're in the third spot right now. Yeah. They're not going to rush to bring him back. Right. Um I mean, I remember when Triple H tore his quad, he was out for a while and came back for the oh, Royal Rumble. that was Rumble. nasty. That was nasty, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty nasty. All about um, the game. He was maybe. out for a while, yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> what they if... should keep him out for, I don't know, all-star break, I, I would assume. If they're, if, they're, if they're still playing as well as they are, they ought to keep him out that long. Sure. Do they make a move, or, they, or do you think Pop says, I'll ride with my guys and we get Kawhi back, we're good? Because, I mean, let's well, first... help them to you? Ah, oh, good question. I think... Um, I mean, I think another offensive weapon. I think well, somebody. I'm getting to the point just with myself where, if I'm thinking about what all these teams could do, and and you know, kidding aside, we're just saying who could they add to beat the Warriors, not who could make them a threat, because right. you're, you're going to have to play the Warriors. It's getting to the point where I don't know who teams could add, minus uh, Shaquille O'Neal in his prime. That's going to help them, and maybe even Shaq in his prime doesn't help you beat the Warriors. I mean, you need like Orlando Shaq, I think. I don't even know if you need Orlando Shaq who can step out and defend Draymond. Right. I wonder. So I used to have this theory back in the Shaq Kobe days, speaking of Shaq Kobe. I thought my theory was at the time, the reason the Lakers. So this is where this is where this theory originated. It was 2000. Two finals, the the finals where the Spurs play the Nets, um, okay. yeah, and 
And uh, Jason Kidd was a free agent that summer, and everybody, like Spurs, between the Spurs and the Nets, ended up reopening with the Nets. And I remember watching that finals, and I, um, the girl I was dating at the time was a big Spurs fan from San Antonio. So I was all in with the Spurs, right? That's how love right. goes sometimes. Uh, but um, I remember thinking, in the finals, like, they've got to sign Jason Kidd. The Spurs have got to sign him. And I remember my buddies being like, well, calm down, man. Why don't you just enjoy this one first? And I was like, no, got to beat the Lakers. And the reason, <laughs> reason for thinking that was, at the time, my theory was every – you know, of the top NBA, top 10 NBA uh, players at the time, the Lakers were the only ones that had two of the top 10. And I thought getting Jason Kidd would give the Spurs two of the top 10, Duncan and Kidd. So, I, I mean, I wonder, you know, to your question about who can you add to beat the Warriors, you know, you're saying, well, you know, almost like I'm out of, I'm out of um, options, right? I think it's a similar situation, um, except now arguably the math is three of those guys, right? So if you put... Right. You know, if you gave LeBron like Anthony Davis and, um, you know, uh, Boogie or or John Wall, for instance, like, all right, now we got something to work with potentially, right? Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take something like that. I don't think you can just get a bunch of role guys. um, Yeah, you can't. It's got to be a huge move, and it won't happen in a trade because you got to give up pieces. It's got to be a free agent signing almost now. Well, and so that's the thing, right? I, I, I I compare the Warriors dynasty right now to... The Seahawks, uh, Legion of Boom, uh, yeah, when they when they the Broncos, because all those guys were on rookie contracts, right? You right. keep that team together. Russell Wilson had uh, didn't get his hadn't had his money at that point, and right. so it's easy to keep that group together and they make this great run. But then guys start being up for their contracts and you start getting holdouts, um, this that and the other. Sort of the same thing with the Warriors, right? This math only works uh, with this team. You know, it's almost happenstance, right? It didn't, I mean, it just sort of worked out that... Well, they got the benefit of early contracts, and then all of a sudden the, the uh, they got a new CBA deal, and every, and the, um, uh, what am I trying to say, the, the team money rose. And so now everyone can get their money under the new contract. So right, that, right. That, remember that scenario when Durant was a free agent? Literally every single team in the league except for one could sign him to a max deal. right. And that's never happened before. So it was like it all fell into the Warriors' lap. Whereas for the Seahawks, obviously those football contracts are way different than the basketball contracts. But Sure. Uh, yeah, no, that's a perfect comparison. Right. No, and I think that's – it's amazing, right? I mean, two things happen. One is with the new CBA and, and the new TV deal, and the players never – and rightfully so, I think, saying, now we want all the cash now, let it all just right. spike the cap. And then two, Steph being on such a friendly deal because of early injury problems, right? No one had any idea – that Steph was it, Curry. Four for 44, I think. Oh, yeah. Sweetheart. I mean, yeah, something like that. This is like Iman Chumpert money, right? It's just, yep, uh, yep. it's incredible. So, yeah, all these things sort of coalesce to make this, I mean, super team. And then, you know, owners and they have league meetings and we have to stop this and no more Warriors. It's It, it reminds me of that scene in, um, God, Pirates of the Caribbean, where they, I think it's part two, where they, uh, um, Who's My Guy by Jeffrey Rush. Um, uh, the the pirate that's after him in the first one I forget anyways Barbosa uh, sorry Barbosa uh, they have yeah, the, they have Calypso right and he's like well let's unbind her and let guys just figure it out like they used to right no more right. binding Calypso and this is total nerd fantasy talk but stay with oh, me I'm here looking. I got a point yeah, <laughs> so the Warriors form right and so the NBA the owners association or the owners not the association the owners they're um, reply to that is okay. Let's make these rules. Let's make it harder for teams, to, you know, hometown talent to leave. Let's put all these things in place to prevent another Warriors. Idiot. No, what you're doing is keeping the Warriors yeah. strong and making the other teams uh, weaker. Yeah, completely backfired. Backfired. What you need to do is release the Kraken, release Calypso, <laughs> get rid of the salary cap. And if you want to get Anthony Davis some help, okay, you can throw. You know, a quarter of a million dollars at Dame Lillard, and you can throw all this money at Boogie Cousins, and you can throw all this money at Andrew Wiggins, and you can right. build a super team in New Orleans, and then right. you can go compete against the Warriors. You can't do it with this team, the super team that's formed, and you're sort of bound by these old now, school. Let me ask you a theoretical question. Let's say that happens. Uh, let's take the cap off. You can offer anybody you want money. In 10 years, 20 years from now, are there only about half the franchises left, and every other game is essentially an all-star game? Um, 
is it like the all-star game that used to happen in the 80s where there were some defense played or is it just turned into all-star game that we see now do you think there's a really better competition of basketball if that scenario worked out i do and i um so and i'll tell you why i think that it's it, first of all just to continue on the soapbox it amazes me that owners of all leagues particularly nba but places salary cap leagues um, and we'll stick with the NBA because that's what we're talking about. Owners who, you know, sort of because their economic status and, and their their views on the world tend to, to skew a little more conservative, free market, you know, enterprise, right? That's, that's sort of their voting block, right? I mean, generalizing there, but by and large, that's kind of what it is, right? I, I, it perplexes me all the time when the same group of men are always, you know, sort of pick yourself up from the proverbial bootstraps and the free markets right. and things like that. But we need a cap on salaries. It's like, why? So, so yeah, to your question, yeah. teams wouldn't go away. You know why? Because if if the owner of, you know, let's let's do the whole mid-market thing. Like, oh, poor middle markets, they can't compete with the coast. Let's say the owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves says, you know what? Too rich for my blood. I can't own a team anymore. He's not going to close it. He's going to put it for sale. You know who's going to buy it? Some tech guy who's from Seattle. I'd love to bring the Sonics back to the West Coast, I'll buy the Timberwolves, I'll move them to Seattle. Now, yes, Minnesota loses a team, right? Correct. But so you're saying new teams would essentially be fused with new money and more money, uh, and they would then all of a sudden enter the arms race and be able to offer Of course. Money. There's so much okay. there's so many hedge fund guys. There's right, so right, many I see what you're saying. Uh, and, and that and that's what and look at the owner trend, right? I mean there are teams that are sort of legacies and handed down, like the Dolans and, and the buses right. and things like that. But there's also new money sort of starting with Mark Cuban and, right. and sort of the Silicon Valley guys, right? And the Steve Ballmers of the world that are coming up and saying, guess what? I, I invented Facebook and I'm sitting on, you know, $40 billion and I really like basketball. You know, you don't want the team so, to more New Orleans. So the Steve Ballmer, though, theory where he comes in, he overpays for the Clippers uh, and he puts his team together. That team didn't work out. So bringing in all this new money, does it still lend to better competition with teams if people are just throwing money at, at whoever? Uh, I guess there's really no way to answer that portion of it because it's still the players that put the product out there. And it only depends on how much a guy wants to win, right? So if you are – and what I mean by that is, you know, these guys take business risk all the time. And they evaluate risk and loss and then profits and loss all the time in their regular business. The secondary business, I think it's the same thing. If you think it's an overpay to, you know, give LeBron James, you know, $200 million at age 34, then don't do it. At the same time, there are a lot of smart businessmen, which the Lakers give them props for this. They overpaid for Kobe because, A, they knew they were going to that TV deal in, in Southern California. Right. And they better have something on TV for fans to watch because this team otherwise sucks, Right. Right, so, they, right. so they gave the Kobe farewell tour. They made their money back in aces, right? So True, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and you do still have the middle market teams in baseball where the scenario does play out, and they still are competitive, even at the smaller salary uh, that, that that team, like the Kansas Cities of the world, can provide. They're still competitive, so maybe that might, maybe, maybe you've convinced me. I mean, because, and it drives me nuts when it's like, well, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm Cleveland or I'm Portland and we can't compete with the Lakers. The bus's only asset is the Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, granted, it's like a probably a valued at a $4 billion asset, but it's still their only asset. Their their money is in the Lakers. Paul Allen in Portland could buy the bus, buy the bus family, not even the team, like the people that are in the family <laughs> and have money left over. Uh, he's got four, four, is it? Is he is he the owner that has four different teams and four different leagues? Oh, he's got Seahawks. He's got uh, got the Trailblazers. Uh, might have the Sounders. I'm not yeah, sure I about maybe that. He had the Sounders, and I thought maybe he had a hockey. Yeah, he could buy. I mean, well. he could actually buy the like. Genie could have kids, and he's like, "Well, your property of you know that Paul well, Allen." So yeah, you. the cap hurts him in particular, where he would be a, a perfect candidate to go overspend for everybody. Well, I'm just amazed, and back on my political soapbox, I'm amazed that these owners are totally cool with socialism when it comes to sports. But, you know, for the country, it's not good. But for yeah, you're right. sports. Yeah, they still do profit sharing. And oh, totally. Sharing totally. And, yep, yeah, the Clippers right. were awful for 25 years, but uh, Donald Sterling made a profit every year. Yeah, every single year. <laughs> the Clippers, which was smart, by the way. I mean, hey, if you, you know, I'm not knocking the hustle at all, but. 
Um, well, I'll not to hustle. Racism pays, apparently. <laughs> so I'll knock that every day. There is a pod for that <laughs> that we could definitely have <laughs> on many levels, my friend. But yeah. um, we will leave it there for now. Um, this wraps up another edition of the Shuttlesworth Initiative pod. Chris, thank you for joining, my friend. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. No problem. And uh, to all the folks listening tonight, uh, as always, we want to remind you that you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us tonight, and we appreciate that. Until next time.